Hey everyone, Dave Therian here. Thanks for joining me today, New Hope Radio. Also, the Hope Club Podcast. Good place to uh, get these messages. On a regular basis, you want to hear them again? Maybe hear them for the first time if you're not here with me right now. It's okay. Last time we were together, we started talking about the principle of sin and salvation. You know, when people hear that word, they turn it off. Isn't that something? There's one word people don't want to hear. It's the word sin. Why do you think? Maybe they don't believe in it. Maybe they're guilty. Maybe they don't want to face it. I don't know. But they just don't want to hear it. But here's the funny thing. If, if you were to deny a sickness, that doesn't make it go away, right? Yeah, I don't want to hear the word sickness. That doesn't make it go away. Well, that doesn't move the... Imp- if you deny sin, it doesn't remove the importance of knowing about that either. There are things in life we just have to face. You can't say they don't exist. It's not there. It's not for me. There are things in life we have to face. So last time we were together, we saw seven aspects of sin. Okay, let me give you a quick review. Number one, we saw sin in relation to God. That God is holy, he's just, right? Let me fix this here. Holy, just. He can't be in the presence of sin. He's too pure. But that's okay. Because secondly, we saw... In relation to Satan, the devil's the one that committed the first sin, and he was cast out of heaven. Why? Because sin can't be in the presence of God. Then thirdly, we noted, uh uh-oh, in relation to the angels, he persuaded one-third of God's heavenly host to rebel against God, and they were banished from heaven. And fourthly, here's where it gets personal. In relation to man, first sin was committed in the Garden of Eden, eating eating the forbidden fruit, which God said, don't do that. And now man was banished from the presence of God. Actually, he banished himself. But then Jesus came walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he gave them a remedy for restored fellowship. And what was the remedy? It was a sacrifice. And if they accepted it, fellowship would be restored. See, that's the thing. Sin is not something to deny. It's a reality. But yet God brought a remedy for it. And this is why we need a remedy. We saw number five, that there is a penalty for sin. It's actually, there's two penalties. One is physical. One is spiritual. You know that? Physically, It's why people die. And spiritually, it separates us from God until we accept the remedy. And what's the remedy? Number six, faith in Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. That's the remedy. That's the remedy. Just like in many, many cases, chemotherapy and radiation can be the remedy for cancer. NyQuil can be the remedy for a cold. The blood of Christ 
is the remedy for sin. Okay? So you face the problem, and then you get the proper solution. The problem is sin. Solution is Christ. And then we end it with this, number seven. You can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved, you can be delivered from the punishment that sin deserves, that alienation from God, because God is holy. Okay? So that's the principle of sin, basically, very basic. But today I want to speak about, oh, the nature of sin, the sin nature that's inside every person. Yeah, we all have it. What is the sin nature? Here's a definition. The capacity and the inclination to do those things that can in no way commend us to God. In other words, it, it, it's that which causes us to go in the wrong direction. Okay? Instead of drawing us to God, it draws us away from God. Now, we've all experienced that persuasive influence from the inside, right? Inside of us. That mystical power that is very difficult to resist. That's the sin nature. That power that says, listen, steal that. Say this. Do that. Go here. And sometimes that, many times, that power wins. So the sin nature is that inner force, and it's attained at conception, and it drives us away from God. Okay? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they inherited within themselves a sin nature, and throughout the generations, because we all come from Adam and Eve, that sin nature has been passed down to every person that was conceived. Everyone. Okay? So, let's talk about this nature that's inside of us that causes us to sin. Number one, the transmission of the sin nature. How is it transmitted from one person to another? Well, like I said, it's passed down to all those who are born from their parents. Right? Every child inherits the sin nature from their parent, and we bring it all the way back to Adam and Eve. But wait a minute. Jesus had parents, and he didn't have a sin nature. Why is that? Because though his mother was human, his father was divine. That Jesus was the Son of God. It was the Holy Spirit that impregnated Mary. So the whole the, the sin nature was never conceived. And therefore, Jesus could be born without a sin nature, qualifying him, if he never sinned, to go to the cross. And that's what he did. So that nature is passed down to every generation. You know what David said in Psalm 51? He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Now, this is a humble statement. He's saying, listen, in sin, my mother conceived me. That doesn't mean that that his conception was a sinful act. It means that because she had a sin nature, he was born with a sin nature. David realizes the presence of a sin nature. And you know that sin nature, you know what it did? It tempted him to sin with Bathsheba. You might, you might remember that story. He saw a beautiful woman bathing on the roof and he sent for her. And he had sex with her. Where did that come from? 
the sin nature. He gave in to it. See, the sin nature, oh yes, it makes sin very appealing. The sin nature doesn't gross you out. It says, well, look at that. Doesn't that look good? Wouldn't you like to have that? That's the sin nature. And I don't care if it's a person, if it's a drug, if it's a possession, something material, whatever it is, it entices us. The sin nature is also called original sin. Okay, in the Roman Catholic Church, they call it original sin, and that's right on the money. It's a sin that originates inside of us. Okay, I believe at conception. Okay, now secondly, who has this? Well, I think you can figure it out by now. All people have a sin nature. All people. First John 1, verse 8, here's what the Apostle John said. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, the word sin is in the singular. He's not saying if we say we don't sin or commit sins. He's saying, no, if we say we have no sin, and that's a reference to the sin nature, that entity that's inside of us, okay, which drives us away from God. That's why every person needs a Savior, everyone. And you know the interesting thing? Those that don't want to hear about sin, they're not near to God, and they think they're in a good place. They think, oh, I'm all right, I'm okay, and they're so far from God. That's the worst place to be. Are you kidding me? That's the sin nature. So you can't even deny you have a sin nature if you find yourself far from God. That's the key. Now, when John said, listen, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us, he's writing to people who do not believe in the existence of sin or its judgment. There's a group of people called Gnostics. They were Greeks. They were Gnostics from the word knowledge. And they believed that knowledge was good, sin was ignorance, or intellectual error. We have that belief around today too, don't we? People that don't want to hear about sin, it's intellectual error. And here's what they believed, that all matter was sinful. And the soul, being distinct from matter, did not contain sin, because the soul is immaterial. But anything that has substance to it, like this, or our body, that that thing is contaminated, okay? So, and they don't, they believe they couldn't come together. So they could worship God with their heart because it's immaterial, right? And with their soul. And what was matter could not be changed. So it made no difference. So they came up with a very convenient religion. I could do what I want with my body and I'll worship God with my soul. That's pretty convenient, huh? Do whatever you want with your body because your body's hopeless, but your soul can be connected to God. Now, what this did, it hindered them from believing in the deity of Christ because Jesus Christ had a body and that body was matter, right? It was substance. It was flesh and blood. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you've turned your back on the remedy, He said, no, I got a cold, and I don't want the NyQuil. Oh, I've got cancer, and I don't want the chemo. 
or the radiation. Oh, I've got sin, but I don't want Christ. And we stay there. That's why John said, listen, if you say you don't have a sin nature, you're only deceiving yourself. You're leading yourself astray. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar. And his word is not in us. So, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all in need of a Savior. That's okay. None of us are better than others. Everybody needs Christ to save them. So these Gnostics, they denied that their immoral actions were sinful. They're like, no, man, we don't, we, this adultery, that's not sinful. This, uh, thievery, that's not sinful. This alcohol addiction, that's not sinful. Oh, they could go, they could have a whole list of things. It's not sinful. Perversion, that's not sinful. Why? Because it's the body. The body's contaminated. Well, there's a result of this in nature. Thirdly, number one, total depravity. And number two, spiritual death. The sin nature has made us depraved. You know, Paul said in Romans 7, for we know that the law is spiritual. He said, and he's talking about himself, but I am flesh, sold into bondage of sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. I'm not practicing what I would like to, and I'm doing the very thing that I hate. So he understands the the battle of the wills of the sin nature. And he said, but if I do the very thing that I do not want to do, I, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. Yes, the law says do this, but he's doing something else. So he said, so now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. He's making a recognition that the sin nature has taken control. Okay? He's not unaccountable, but the sin nature has taken control. He said, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. So he understands this battle that goes on. For the good that I want to do, I don't do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. So he's got a problem. Sin nature. He's going to take care of that. He needs the remedy for the sin nature. So he said in verse 21 of Romans 7, I find then the principle that evil is present in me. See, here's the thing. You can't deny it. Paul, the great apostle, he says, I don't deny I have a sin nature. That sin nature has made me depraved and I'm evil. So I I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, Right? I've got these two natures inside of me. They're battling for control. He said, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. He says, I agree with God's word, with God's law. This is the way to go. I know that. Do you ever have that struggle? You know the right thing to do, but you just can't do it. You just can't get it done. It's so hard. 
is painful. The temptation is just too strong. You know what you want to do. You know what's right. And you just can't do it. And he said, I see a different law and the members of my body. And they're waging war against the, the, the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. See, here's his frustration. And just like our frustration at times, to know the right thing to do, but not have the power to do it. To will to want to do the right thing. But the influence of the sin nature, it's so strong. It just takes control. And that's why we have to be so careful because here's number four. The sin nature can mandate a lifestyle. You know, your sin nature can shape your destiny. It can take charge of your life. It can. You don't want that. You know, you don't, you don't want the janitor flying your jet plane. You want the pilot. <laughs> right? You want the one that knows what he's doing. Maybe the janitor knows how to clean bathrooms, but he doesn't know how to fly a jet. So you don't want the, you want the pilot to fly the jet. Right? Cause he knows what he's doing. So the sin nature is like the janitor flying the jet. And if it takes charge of your life, you know what's going to happen? You crash and burn. That's why John said in 1 John 3, 4, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now, the word practice means the habit of doing. See, those that are saved... We put our faith in Christ. We've found the remedy. We still sin. We still fail. We do. We, you know, make mistakes, say dumb things, do dumb things. We do. But the word practice speaks about a lifestyle, a habit of doing things. Okay? So when he says, if you practice these things, that means you've never found the remedy. You're still living in the old you, in the domination of the sin nature. And this is why the process of sanctification is so important. It's the means by which God sets us apart for Him and delivers us from the practice of sin. Sanctification is spiritual growth. God working in our lives once we accept Christ as Savior, making us less like us and more like Him. And what does that come from? Growing up in His Word studying the scriptures, okay? That's why you've got to learn the things of God. We're in a series on Wednesday nights here called Bible Basics, and we're studying Christology, the pre-incarnate Christ, the ascension and session of Christ, the hypostatic union. Do you know those things? Do you understand the doctrines of the Bible, the attributes of God? These are the things that we need to understand. And that's what helps our sanctification to become a reality. Number five, lifestyle determines fatherhood. Oh, John, he's very big on this. John had a lot to say about this. He said, the one who practices sin, uh-oh, is of the devil. Remember, what did I say practice means? Lifestyle. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Yeah, that's where it started, right? He's the instigator of human sin. And those who continue in that, they go along with him. 
You know what Jesus said about the Pharisees, by the way, who were very religious? He said, you're of your father, the devil. Wow. You guys are religious, but you know what? The devil's your father. Because you're still sinful. And they weren't living in sins of sexual immorality. They were living in other kinds of sin, like pride and arrogance and superiority, things like that. I spoke to a man on the phone today that I buy musical equipment from. And I asked him if he was a musician. He said, yeah. I said, do you play much? He said, oh, not too much anymore. I said, do you go to church? He said, no, I'm not very religious. I said, oh, I said, well, you know what? Neither am I. Neither are we who go to Christian church. So I said, listen, go find a Christian church and play for God, and you'll find real fulfillment. Now, I don't know if he will, but I, I hope a seed was planted. See, there are so many people in the world that have the wrong understanding of church. They think they have to be at a certain level to go to church. I have to be religious, or I have to be respectable, or I have to have this going on in my life. What did Jesus say? I came for those that are sick, <laughs> not for those who don't need a physician. I came for those that do. And all of us need a physician, the good Dr. Jesus. So Satan is the one who gets people to be religious, but without Christ. That's the key. That's his game plan, okay? So again, sin, it's not a popular message, but it's true. And it's the most important message. And that's why the good news is there is deliverance from sin. There's deliverance. Even though we're born into a mess, we don't have to live there and we don't have to die there. We can be delivered. Again, John said, no one who's born of God practices sin because God's seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. So what's he saying? If when you're truly born of God and you have the remedy, Christ, you will not live the lifestyle of sin like you did before. You won't. You won't have the habit of doing because it's not going to be that appealing to you. You know, because you have a new nature. And with this new nature comes a new appetite. You know, your dog likes Alpo. I don't even know if they make Alpo anymore. But when I was a kid, we had a dog and we fed him Alpo. Now, if that dog suddenly became a human being, he's like, I don't want Alpo anymore. Let's go to McDonald's. Let's go to 99 Restaurant. Let's go to Friendly's Ice Cream. Let's go. What? Their, ap their appetite changed because their nature changed. And when you find Christ and you find the remedy for your sin nature, your nature changes and your appetite changes, and you don't want the things that you did before. You want the things of God. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he listed a bunch of bad practices that they engaged in, and then he said, such were some of you, but they were not anymore because they had been born again. They had a new birth, a spiritual birth. So Paul could say, oh, in Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And then he had an awakening. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the one.
who's going to set him free. Christ. Once I'm born into Christ, I'm delivered from sin. Think about it. Doesn't mean we never sin, but we're delivered from the power. We're delivered from the lifestyle of going the wrong way instead of walking and living away from God. The divine nature draws us to God. So in quick summary, here's what we've seen today. Number one, the sin nature is transmitted from parents to children. Number two, all people have a sin nature. Number three, the result is total depravity and spiritual death, which is separation from God. Number four, the sin nature can mandate a lifestyle. It can control your life and therefore control your destiny. Jesus said to a group of people, you're going to die in your sins. Wow. Number five, lifestyle determines fatherhood. The way you live determines who's your father. Is it God or is it the devil? Who's your daddy? That's the question. Number six, there is deliverance from sin. And what is it? Faith in Christ. The shed blood of Christ on the cross is the remedy for the sin problem. See, I can strengthen the sin nature or I can strengthen the divine nature. The choice is mine. Whichever nature I feed, that's the one that's going to be strengthened. You feed your sin nature the things of the world, and yet nature's going to be strengthened. You feed your divine nature the things of God, and your spiritual life will be strengthened. That's why we go to church, and we love it when we go, don't we? Yes, we do. Okay, we're going to stay on this topic next time. Oh, because we touched on it today. What about sin in the Christian life? I'm a Christian, I'm born of God, but I still have these failures in my life. What do I do? Am I guilty? Should I be ashamed? We're going to take care of that next time. Hope you can join me. Don't forget, join the Hope Club. Get a devotional in your email box Monday through Friday. Great way to start the day. Send us $3 a week to New Hope Radio. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu button. It's all there. And don't forget about the Hope Club podcast. You can catch these messages on demand. Just type in the Hope Club podcast and they'll all be there. Have a great day. We'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.